to another episode of Accessibility. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games and more people to see themselves at the games they play? Around a month ago in mid-November 2020, a couple of new games consoles came out. Specifically, we're going to be talking about Microsoft's consoles that came out, the Xbox Series S and Series X. Now, both of those consoles were released without much in the way of new first-party software, so a lot of what people were playing, myself included at launch, was third-party titles with next-generation upgrades, and of those titles, one of the most interesting, I'm not saying good, but interesting, is Yakuza Like a Dragon. In terms of video games with sincere, heartfelt depictions of minority groups, I don't know that I have ever played a game as all over the place tonally as Yakuza Like a Dragon, and that's not really unexpected, the Yakuza series is always a bit up and down, like bouncing back and forth between silly and serious, but I've never known a game quite manage what Yakuza Like a Dragon is doing, where one minute you are in a cutscene where a minority group is getting a really serious heartfelt explanation of the struggles they go through, and then you turn around a corner and that same minority group is being used as a pun-laden punchline as an enemy type. It's... it's weird. <laughs> so today on Accessibility, we are going to talk about Yakuza Like a Dragon. We're going to talk about the moments that it gets minority representation right, we're going to talk about how it gets it wrong, and the weird dissonance between the two halves of this fascinating and flawed game. The basic plot of Like a Dragon is that you play as Ichiban, a young man obsessed with Dragon Quest who gets involved in the Yakuza after they save his life as a teenager. He does 20 years in jail for his boss, gets released, tries to go back to see his boss, only to get shot and left for dead. He's saved by a homeless ex-nurse, and tries to build himself back up from there. This is where we see the first example of Yakuza Like a Dragon's tonal dissonance at play. All of the story-based cutscenes involving the protagonist Ichiban and the nurse Namba are overwhelmingly sensitive to the realities of homelessness. Namba is shown to be intelligent, resourceful, and a genuinely caring person to be around. He has a strong moral compass for what's right and wrong, a desire to stand up against injustice, alongside a strong understanding of the world around him. When Ichiban first wakes up in a homeless settlement, he has a lot of misconceptions about the realities of life as a homeless person, which Number is quick to correct. Ichiban at one point early in the game, when he's been homeless for a grand total of 48 hours, gives an impassioned speech about how he thinks all the homeless people around him have just given up hope on making their lives better, and if they all just head over to the job centre they can, they can all get jobs and everything will be better in no time. Namba quickly points out how ignorant Ichiban is of the situation. None of these homeless people have a permanent address, which makes even applying for a job difficult. Upon going to the job centre, rather than being offered work, the job centre offers them computer education courses, rather than helping them to actually secure entry-level work. Namba makes it clear that there are thousands of different reasons why someone homeless might not easily be able to get a job and back into a home, and that Ichiban's view that they're simply not making an effort to find work is actively offensive. Namba also makes it clear that most of the people in their homeless camp did nothing wrong to lead them there. Some signed bad loans, some got laid off or had big bills at the wrong moment, 
Most of them have no criminal record and were just unlucky to be in the wrong place at the wrong time in their lives. Being homeless is not a moral failing, but a reality most people are only a few bad months removed from. Sounds great so far, right? Yakuza Like a Dragon has these really interesting conversations in cutscenes about things like homelessness not being a moral failing and being really difficult to escape from if you don't have a permanent address, but as you might have guessed, this is the point where we're going to kind of pivot the video and we're going to talk about all of the examples of the game making homeless people into a joke and punchline that feel really weird when stood up in comparison. So first, let's talk about Namba's moveset. When outside of cutscenes and playable as a party member, Namba is a ranged fighter and a healer, but his initial moveset is built around a lot of homeless stereotypes played off as humour. Namba launches fire attacks by swigging and spitting a flask of alcohol past a lighter. He throws birdseed at enemies to have them attacked by pigeons, and to heal himself he puts down some cardboard boxes and has a nap while scratching his backside. His moveset is based at its core around the idea that Namba is an alcoholic who takes drunken naps in the middle of the street, and it feels weirdly in conflict with the way cutscenes in the game are written. Additionally, and perhaps more upsettingly, several of the in-game enemy types are homeless people with names played off as puns. It's incredibly jarring to finish a cutscene about the plight of homeless people, only to enter a turn-based battle against Hungry Hungry Homeless and Battle Bum. This is, at its core, the aspect of Like a Dragon I struggle to come to terms with. You might one moment have a sincerely sweet cutscene about protecting sex workers from harassment at the hands of a fundamentalist group trying to shut them down in the name of decency, then walk around the corner and face an enemy whose whole joke is that they're fat and they eat at all-you-can-eat restaurants and they're fat. It feels like the story cutscenes in Yakuza Like a Dragon were written in complete isolation from the game's battle system and enemy designs, and the results are a game that simultaneously tries to provide respectful depictions of minority groups, while then turning around and making them a tasteless punchline moments later. Now, to be clear, overall, I love Yakuza Like a Dragon. I think it is a wonderful game. I think when it's trying to be serious, it manages to land that really well. Its open world is full of so many silly, ridiculous, heartfelt, way too in-depth side quests that are a lot of fun. Um, I spent six hours the other day playing a business management sim inside Yakuza. That was amazing. Shareholder meetings were Pokemon battles, but as much as I am loving and eagerly trying to recommend this game to people, I have to do it with some big caveats that just feel unnecessary for a game being released today. Now, at the time of recording this video, I have not yet finished playing through Yakuza Like a Dragon. Right now, the stereotype-based pun names have been off-putting, they've been distasteful. None of them has been the straw that broke the camel's back yet and has made me stop playing, but I know that I could turn any corner in this game and find a new stereotype-based villain that could be the one to get me to stop playing. And that's a real shame because I love so much about this game. It is... It would be serious Game of the Year material for me if I didn't have to recommend it with these weird caveats, and I'm playing the game constantly just 
watching out for that one stereotype pun villain that's just gonna go, no, sorry, that one's a bit too far for me. It's really disappointing. The game's attitude towards representation of minority groups is baffling, honestly. It feels like Yakuza Like a Dragon was built by two separate teams who never communicated with each other. You had the team working on the main story, that were working on the plot, that were working on all the cutscenes and their dialogue, who had a real care for the subject matter they were touching on, and you had the enemy designs and the enemy pun names being developed by some other team that just didn't know that we were supposed to feel sympathetic for those groups and was like, ha ha, we can make a pun name. And these enemy names don't do anything to make the game better, they just serve to undercut the good work that the game's plot is trying to do. Yakuza Like a Dragon routinely shows that it understands the plight of minority groups, which makes it all the weirder when they're used for a punchline, and it's taken a game that I've been loving cautiously and consistently made me wary of recommending it to others. It's a great game that I find hard to recommend without like, oh, uh, mm, let me explain this to you first, which is never a good first thing to have to do when telling someone about a game. I wish it was easier to recommend.